The following message is copyrighted by Westminster Theological Seminary. Duplication, distribution, or other use of all or any part of this message is not permitted without prior written consent. Please direct your inquiries to communications at wts.edu. For all other information, please visit the main website at www.wts.edu. read something about Bart and Schleiermacher. I'm trying to cover all of 19th century, including Bart and recent times. Ever since the appearance of Romans, that is, the letter of Romans, he went, he had studied, Bart had, under Harnack and Hermann on the turn of the century, the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. And he thinks, he said, I, that's no gospel. So I'm going to spend a year reading the, reading the Bible, and particularly the book of Romans. And that speaks of a God straight down from heaven, not horizontal, but God. God is the Himmel. God is in heaven, and you are on the earth, and you are earthworms, and you are behave as such. Now, that's about the way he talked, and he spoke, and he drove with great vehemence. He said, when I published this, he sent one. I said, I was somewhat of a peculiar shuler of you, Mr. So-and-so. I still know you. I appreciate you as a man. But I have repudiated everything of an eminentistic, basically false theology. So I now want to speak from the Bible, the Bible alone. How can you speak? You can't, but you have to. Well, you have to say what that God does for you, within you, and through you, that is impossible. So far, he says, as I have any philosophy, it is that of Soren Kierkegaard, who says, the holy other is holy one, and it comes straight down from heaven. Now, let me first call attention to Schleiermacher and how Bach thinks of him, and Brunner, too. Ever since the appearance of his first commentary on Romans, Bart has been concerned to set off his theology from that of Friedrich Schleiermacher. Schleiermacher is often called the father of modern theology, that is, modernist, not historical Christian, but modern in the sense of post-conscious, in which the idea is that you cannot know God, you must act as if, and so it is called, and Bart calls that, consciousness theology, on the basis of the allgemeine general human consciousness in terms of which we know what we know, but we don't know and we can't know anything above what our eyes see and what our thought can think. We have to point to, like a ship can point to a pole star, but not lift it up. So we're always going in circles. And Brunner says of Schleiermacher, if you got mysticism, then you don't need the word. In other words, the Bart and Brunner work together first. And they were opposed, and Bart Brunner wrote an entirely book, Die Mystique und das Wort. Well, mysticism was a bad term, but the word, but not the word of God direct in history, as we shall see. Bart constantly speaks of Schleiermacher. Such theologians, says he, begin with the fact of man's consciousness as something that is given right now, here and now, without referring to God. From our own consciousness as a starting point, these theologians proceed to inquire about the possibility of knowing anything about God. 
Over against this, the consciousness theologians, theology, Bart wants to set the theology of the word. Instead of beginning with the dis- possibilities in general, we must begin, he search with the reality of God. Now, I'm stressing this because after a while we shall see that he means something different than historic Christianity. How can man speak of God? God is in the heavens and you are on earth. It is impossible, yes, by God's election and predestination, the impossible takes place. And thus, theology will therefore be the doctrine of election at the center of its efforts. By means of this doctrine, we are to cut out ourselves loose from all correlation and even from all relation with the consciousness of man. Now, not correlation, it's correlative to one another, like rationalism and irrationalism, like two rafters supporting one another on what? On nothing. Well, he says that's what it is. It's a projection to consciousness, and that's what is the main thing, and that's what's basically mistaken about it. But, says Bart, the doctrine of election must at once be related to Christ Jesus. For in the beginning of all the ways and works of God, he is both the electing God and the elected man. That's Jesus. God elects. God is Christ. And Christ is the electing one. Now, then he is both... Uh, election is therefore always election by Christ and in Christ. The whole of Christian theology must accordingly be Christologically interpreted. This, moreover, in terms of Barth's concept of Christology. Schleiermacher's theology was basically anthropologically, says, rather than Christological. He did indeed assert the absoluteness of Christianity. In this he was no doubt sincere, but, quote, at the back of even his most powerful presentations, stands the fact that he addresses in his, Schleiermacher has work, addresses that the basic outlook of every religion is in itself eternal, since it forms a supplementary part of the infinite school whole of religion in general, in which all things are, must be eternal to be at all. Now that's what Schleiermacher means, or Brunner means, that it is an identity thinking, God and man. We've seen that man and God are one, Thought is thing, and thing is God. And having no truly Christological theology, Schleiermacher also fails to have a true theology of the word. This is all the interpretation of Barth. His historical element in religion, the objective motif, the Lord Jesus, is a problem child for Schleiermacher. He did not clearly presuppose the divinity of the Logos, as did the Reformers. According to Schleiermacher, quote, Christ is the revealer and redeemer only, quote, insofar as he affects the higher life. Thus, the objective moment of religion dissolves into the subjective. According to Schleiermacher, it is not to Christ alone that we must look for the knowledge of God. How does Schleiermacher's doctrine of the Holy Spirit save the situation? Through a proper theology of the Holy Spirit, there could be no question of dissolving the word. But Schleiermacher explains the working of the Holy Spirit, too, in the familiar form of religious consciousness. However much, then, we must hold that in some depths of his mind Schleiermacher intended otherwise, it remains true 
that for all his effort to elevate the scriptures in the Christ, he had neither the Christ of the word nor the word of Christ. It is therefore, he argues, our prerogative and duty to turn away, however reluctantly, from Schleiermacher and go back to the reformers. With Luther, the divinity of the Logos demands the most direct possible, the divinity of the Spirit. The Redeemers, the reformers, interpreted man in terms of Christ and his word as they were led by the Holy Spirit. Let us return to them and then go beyond them in their spirit. Did Bart really turn away from the consciousness theology? Did he really return to the principles of Reformation theology? Before answering these questions, let us consider further Bart's own analysis of theological trends and factors in his day. In his survey of 19th century theology, he writes the chaplain Ludwig Feuerbach, the philosopher. In chapter follows immediately upon the one dealing with Schleiermacher. Elsewhere, too, Barth concerns himself with Feuerbach. Again and again he approaches the service of church dogmatics. That's the name of his work, Kirche Dogmatik. First he had just dogmatics, but he says we must, the church is the dogmatics. It is the one to, it's church dogmatic, dogmatics. In two famous books, The Essence of Christianity and The Essence of Religion, Feuerbach told the consciousness theologian that their theology was only undercover anthropology. In worshiping God, he stated, they were merely worshiping the projection of themselves. Why not frankly admit that it is the apotheosis of man that all men of men are after? Was Feuerbach completely in the wrong? Not so for Schleiermacher and many others as concerned. Feuerbach is singing his Magnificus, and his song is not too different from that of consciousness theology. Patching up consciousness theology will not help us in the least. To escape him from fire, we must be able to laugh him in the face. Feuerbach did not understand the significance of death and of evil. He had no true sense of sin. It is this fact that makes him conduct, confuse the nature of God and that of man. Only a true Christological approach in theology enables us to laugh at Feuerbach. Skepticism can only be answered if we begin our theology with Christ. Again, only the theology of the Word enables us to laugh at Feuerbach. The problem of sin and of death can only be solved in terms of the yes of God spoken to men in Christ. Does Bart really have a theology that can answer skepticism? Does he really have a biblical view of sin? Does he really give answers to men as sinners in terms of the Christ of the Word? We shall seek to answer this question. Now, then Strauss. Only brief mention must be made the discussion of Strauss. Strauss's life of Jesus brought in the forefront to attention the question of God's revelation in history. Strauss was not the Antichrist by any means, but he did offer in his time the sight of the theologian who has become an unbeliever in all to behold and without denying it, our historical information about Jesus is incomplete and uncertain. Expounding Strauss, Bart says, it is out of the question that faith and salvation can depend on things in the smallest way, part of which are 
not in doubt. And in any case, it is a matter of principle that there should be no such dependence. Just as certainly as the destiny of man is as universal one and accessible to all, and the conditions open upon which it is achieved must be accorded to every man, the perception of the goal must not only be accidental one, the historical perception coming from within must not be in each man can find for himself. Here then is Strauss, argues Barth, is in a skepticism equal to that of Feuerbach. Now I'm answering the stress, he's trying to answer the skepticism which comes out of the consciousness of man, out of the general consciousness of Kant. You cannot know God. You, you don't know him. You couldn't know him, even if you would. And you, of course that's completely opposite the theology of the scriptures. But, he says, something absolute as a part of the world and human history as much as a sword of lath. Strauss made it very plain and well understood, and those who read it were shaken to the core, for it was precisely upon the card of history that they had staked no less than their means, the other half being of the consciousness theology. Well, I'll... Romanism, that is Roman Catholicism, dialect, I mean the Roman Catholic theology, does not realize this point, how to answer Strauss and to laugh him in the face, to say, well, we have the truth because what you laugh is laugh about what you think is the truth is laughable. That's only worshiping your own consciousness, worshiping self instead of God. With our its notion of the analogy of being, that is the Roman notion, we saw that that was the between univocism and equivocism, which means absolute knowledge and no knowledge and a little bit knowledge of that which is absolute of which you have no knowledge and never will have. Thought, thinking itself, not creator, not aware of, not related to, but itself, negation. Now, that is what the scholastic Thomas Aquinas, and they are said to be golden words by the Pope. Now, he is analyzing the Roman position. He speaks of the Romanist position constantly as that of the Antichrist. Now, that we don't do it today. By means of this natural theology, which that theology is a projection of the natural man who hates God, who cannot know God, because is, God must be spirit discerned, but who have not the spirit, it is that natural theology. Romanism thinks it possible for man to have direct knowledge of God. Romanism does not realize that while revelation is historical, history is never as such revelational. Revelation has, first he said, has the Dutch as a tent in the circle, and somebody said, Andigeschichte, but not in. Well, he must end because Jesus of Nazareth died in history. And that's why he's touchable, he's tangible, sure. Everybody was there and he could be touched. Well, now, Romanism, because it has that negation theology of the Greeks or Aristotle the philosopher cannot do justice to the incarnation and to the suffering and death of Christ if we were ready to hold to justification by faith as the reformers held we must think in terms of Christ as event or geschichte now it's a difficult word but it means history is everyday ordinary things but geschichte is that which is Kant, the numeral, and it is that 
the Christ event or Geschichte that all are involved or we are all involved and carried up with it. Did the reformers, in particular, did Calvin adequately realize this fact? Did the reform, did, uh, okay, do we really understand the scriptures as they want to be understood if we directly identify them with revelation? And so do we really have Christ if we directly identify him with Jesus of Nazareth? Bart makes it perfectly plain that Calvin did not have an adequate idea of the indirect. Now, his point is indirect. Now, we'll try to see what that means. If not direct, you don't have it. I see this gentleman sitting there. I see him directly. I don't see him indirectly. I don't go outside. Now, that's a poor illustration, but he means not able to see at all here and now as they one through whom Jesus Christ is crucified. Now, therefore, indirect we'll see. Uh, in terms of history alone, Geschichte, can there be genuine priority of revelation and grace that Calvin was seeking but never found? The true priority of grace implies both its sovereignty and its universality. Now, notice sovereign electing grace means Jacob have I loved, Esau. Now, that's particularity, exclusiveness, but he wants a sovereignty and he wants universality. He wants his cake and he wants to eat it. Well, that's all, that's simple, but that's it, because he wants universal salvation, and yet he wants sovereign, and he says Calvin has neither. At the same time, God is always the subject of grace, that is, he speaks, he's not objective there, but he's even, when he is there, he is the subject. Now, that's the noumenal of Kant, therefore you can't know him, because he is himself unknowable, and he doesn't know himself. At the same time, subject of in his glory and humiliation in, in himself for the exaltation of men. Therefore, grace is always primary relation to, of every man to God. Now, that's basic, and that's, he, I'm quoting all this literally. That is to say, grace is inherently for all men. He has a comparison. He says that the traditional Reformed or biblical statement, that is, there is predestination and then there are elect and there are non-elect is badly mistaken. We must start with grace like a cloud which is above all. Then of course we are bad, we are all Esau's, so Christ is the only reprobate man and that's fortunate because we are all in Christ and so we are all reprobate in Christ and Christ is also the elected man and the this is the penultimate and the ultimate is the election of all in Christ. That is, men are fellow men with Christ. That's the definition of man. Now, that, you see, begins the point that Schleiermacher and the skeptics, he's rough on them, but he's rougher on historic theology than that. The true, at the same time, God is always and always subject. It is the glory to humiliate himself and for the exaltation of man, God humbles himself. He says somewhere, I have, I have actualized Chalcedon. Now, Chalcedon says God is one in one substance and two, the divine person and a human person and a human nature, divine nature. They did that against the Greeks. The Eutychians wanted to say God is man and man is God. Therefore, one being, as the Greeks, as we saw, are 
without exception. The other went over against that Nestorianism to persons, the divine person, where we would neither have salvation because Christ says, I and the Father are one. But he humbled himself, he who thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, he was God, he humbled himself to become man and then was crucified on the cruel cross for the redemption of sinners. Now that all happened, directly observable. As John the Apostle said, we've seen, we've heard, we've talked, we've walked, we've seen. John says, I was at the crucifixion when he said, Woman, behold thy son. And to that disciple he said, Behold thy mother. And that disciple, which was the disciple whom Jesus loved, took Jesus' mother, but now a sinner, a woman like any other woman, saved by grace into his home because he had room for them. Bart makes it perfectly plain that Calvin did not have adequate knowledge. However wretched the reality of his sin, however dreadful wrath of God upon sin, it is settled in advance, zum vornherein, before, before you open the door, he has forced it open, and that's true of every man. It advanced by the nature of God, that is not by an act of coming, but that's his nature. And he couldn't help himself. And therefore, we are by nature. We can't help ourselves. We are mitmens in Jesu, fellow men, believers. And therefore, we are saved in him and with him. We are fellow saviors with him. Through our save preaching, we are Jesus speaking. And we are one with Christ. We want other men. They don't know it. But they, when we go out preaching in the distant countries of the Orient, we don't say, you are dead in trespass, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We don't need sinners. We need to send missionaries because they are, without their knowledge, in Christ, mitments and Jesu, just as we say of our children when we have baptism. Yes. Well, how can Bart say this against, over and against the specifics of Scripture? Well, that's the point because he says every word the Scripture says in misinterprets every word afterwards or at the same time. In other words, it's the case of the Logos, which for John, the Gospel of John, is the word and was one with God. And this uh, Jewish interpreter, uh, uh, who recalls who he was? Philo. How? Philo? Yeah, Philo. Well, he was a Jew and he hated Christ, but he wanted to make sure that the Greeks were in agreement with him in the Old Testament. So he allegorized, well now dehistoricized, allegorizing, that makes a picture of it. Well, indirectly, now that is what he was opposing. So you have exactly the same words, but exactly the opposite meaning. Yes, go ahead. Does Bart say then for grace to be sovereign, it must also be universal? It isn't sovereign if it is not also universal. Just as you would say as a reformed thinker, God's sovereign electing grace and therefore as concomitant with and as next to it and as supporting it, as telling us about it is the inerrancy of the scripture. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have a sovereign elect. You wouldn't know about it because he has to tell about it. You have to be sure. You can't be sure if the records aren't inaccurate, are not inspired or not the manuscripts that we have. But And then you can say, well, they're, they're not here, but well, we can go over a bridge with three inches of water, but we can see the leanings. Now, that's a poor illustration, and I can't give you any better, but certainly we have to take that for granted on the authority of Christ. Jesus said, 
the scriptures cannot be broken. The scripture says, and I thirst. It's the scripture. Now, that's the Old Testament. But Peter says, they without us. In other words, as, as uh, Peter says, as Brother Paul says, inerrancy of the scripture. If you didn't have that, you wouldn't have a sovereign elect. You wouldn't know about it. God's sovereign electing grace, and therefore, as concomitant with and as next to it and as supporting it, as telling us about it is the in which some things are hard to be understood. They are hard. They're against us by nature. But we believe it because God, the Bible says it's yeah. Well, can can Bart be refuted scripturally, or must he be refuted with a correct epistemology? No, nobody can be refuted except by scripture. In other words, by accepting the authority of God, I am God. There is none other. Now, where do you find that? Well, it's, those words are not in every manuscript in the same. There are, for instance, the few words, uh, verses mission at, at the mark, at the end of mark. But you see, that's no basic difficulty because you have to take for granted. Well, now, you take your wife for granted, don't you? You don't say you have to have pancakes every morning or else she doesn't exist. Oh, no, you don't do anything like that. You better not you slap your face. As you ought, as you really deserve, and plenty of it. Well, now, well, that is God says, "I am God, and you better act as my creature. You're my child, and you don't go outside, because then I won't take you back unless you knock at the door and repent and say, I'm sorry, Daddy, as the prodigal did. I'm sorry, make me one of thy slaves.' But he had gone and spent his substance with riotous living. Well, that's what all of us have done. Who else? Now, Bart and Protestant orthodoxy. Calvin's failure to see Christ in terms of the principle of Christ event was largely in spite of himself. Such is no longer the case with later orthodox theologians. They're getting worse. They made a virtue out of the idea of direct revelation. But their basic allegiance is to direct revelation. And the idea of direct revelation is profane. He talks about das profana as gibt, the profane givenness. That's profane. Why is it? Because that's what Kant says, that that is it. And then you can know the whole thing, just like you want some ice cubes for your drink of ginger ale. So you take one of these trays and you put cubes in them and you put water in them. That's the irrational. The seven seas are full of it. You don't know how many more are coming. And then, of course, you freeze it. That's the rationalism. That's the determinism. And then you take them up and mirable addicto. You get the same size. Well, that's the point. They're all the same size because you have sized them up. And then you take them out and you knock them out and then put them in ginger ale or whatever you like. Now, that is, I'm ridiculing that because, not ridiculing it, but that's exactly what Kant says. They are mechanically cause and effect. Of every effect, there's a cause and a cause and a cause. And the cause, in this case, is the effect of the preceding cause, and so in infinitum. Purpose, P, 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 infinitum. Cause down below, being, 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 big being. But there's always a bigger being than the biggest being you can think of, and always a bigger P than the biggest P you can think of, and a bigger C than the CBT you can think of. Now, don't you see? <laughs> Now, that's right, but it shows that the, it's an infinite regress or an infinite extension, like a string that is infinite, and you have to string every bead. 
and the strings, each, beads are like marbles. They have no holes in them, so you can't string two of them. And you've got to string all of them, or you can string one of them, and otherwise they're all separate. But what happens with an infinite number of beads or marbles? I had a girl in class one time. I said, Miss so-and-so, can I have your string of beads? And I clipped them. They rolled over. But there were 16 courteous and kind-hearted gentlemen that picked them all up, and she had her string of beads again. But there is no kind-hearted somebody that strings the beads again for you if you have clipped them. You couldn't clip them unless God permitted you to clip them, and his wise purposes had clipped them because he wanted to defeat the seed of the serpent. And then, having brought all things together, and having known all things before him, God has promised to Abram. You know, it's either all or not. Yeah, go ahead. Why does Christ have to be seen in terms of his work or, his, or the Christ event rather than a historical? Well, the point is that he wants it philosophically intelligible. He's a modern philosopher theologian, and he does not believe. That's, I can quote that. He says, Christ did not come in history. The steps downward, his death, his burial, his death, his descent, and upward are not following one another in history. Well, what then? Well, they are geschichte. That is, they all are one, which is the best illustration. They are not true in history. That's indirect that they are all at the same time. Christ is born, pre-existent, and post-existent, and in history we can hear him, we can touch him, we can handle him, we talk to him, sure. But that's like Kant, everybody can, you could talk, a certain man named a rabbi of Nazareth and people didn't like him. Well, Kant likes him and loves him. And I'm not minimizing the fact that he no doubt is a, was a Christian. I'm not saying that or suggesting that. But I'm just saying that this theology is not Christian. Anybody else? By his story, that is ordinary history, Bart means history as the past, the history as studied by the average historian, whether Christian or non-Christian. How is Bart's view of Geschichte related to ordinary history? There is clearly an overlapping of the two. There is never identification. See, Identification is profane. For instance, he, in Holland they asked him about a hillcock and it was deposed because he didn't believe the history. He says, well, a speaking serpent, I can't believe that anybody. Anybody can, but wouldn't the dear brothers of the snaking speaking serpent rather listen to what he said? Well, what he said, whether he was there or not, well, that isn't even indirect. A non-existent serpent can't speak, can he? Of course not. But the point is he's ridiculing the direct revelational, he says, the dear friends of the speaking servant, they were the reformed theologians who were subject to and believed in the historicity of the Genesis narrative and of the direct revelation of God in history, because that's what it was true there. In the fourth, now, Bart's main doctrines, now, I don't know if you're getting tired of it, but I'd like to really deal with Bart because in Bart you have all modern theology. I mean, you understand Kant as backup, and then Schleiermacher as consciousness, and Brunner as with Bart. Essentially, they, they worked together, but then they separated because. But Bart is the see they call it neo-orthodoxy. Well, that neo-orthodoxy is new modernism. 
but neo-orthodoxy is not orthodox. That's and that's why we I, just as we today have problem with the inerrancy of scripture. See, neo Princeton Seminary, the great institution in my day, B, well, B.B. Warfield, Casper Wisterhaus, Gerardus Voss, and William Park Armstrong, Jack and Gresson Major, they were sound and they believed historicity. They wrote articles in defense of it. Now, that is now to be cast out, you see, completely. It is not a question of what I believe and Westminster believes, but what historical Christianity is, what the Reformers, what Luther believed, what Calvin believed, what Augustine believed, well, what Christians believe. Now, in addition to using the idea of history, Geschichte, in order to return to go beyond the reformers, oh, man need never fear that he is or can be anything but the object of God's grace. In grace, the grace of God is truly grace. It is wholly undeserved and wholly new. See, there's wholly different, wholly new, and yet it's universal. It's all new and it's all old. Now that's a, not a piece of cloth, but you, in this case you can have to not only, but they are one, they are not patched together, but they're always new because they've always been. So they couldn't be newer than new. And like Heidegger says, reality turns around, has been, the future has already been, it's emergence, it's like a whirl in an ocean which goes around and round and round and never stops and you can see a piece of wood go round and round and round in circles. At the same time, this truly free and sovereign grace certainly reaches down to man and quote, to all men, underscored. Both of these aspects are expressed in the idea of Jesus Christ as Geschichte, that is not as ordinary history, but as that which is above history. As no, Kant believed that you couldn't use the word cause beyond what you could see. I can illustrate it. Maybe my father had an old cluck hen and he put duck eggs under. Well, the poor old hen had to sit a week extra to hatch the duck eggs. If you're a good farmer, you know that's true. Well then, you see, and there was a little lake there, and off go the little ducklings, the ugly ducklings, swimming away, and the poor old mother hen had to stay on terra firma. It couldn't enter in that other realm. That was Geschichte. Holy other, how could a chicken swim? Well, a duck can do both, but that's what he's a duck for. And an ugly duckling can swim as good as any nice duck. Well, now, don't you see? Terra firma, solid ground, is science. Like Bultmann, science has said this. That's why we have to demythologize Genesis and demythologize the whole of the Christian religion. Now that, see, science proves and science disproves. Well, that means it's because it's completely determined and man knows exhaustively he can get a telescope. Of course, that's to show that science cannot do everything. Go ahead. Well, no, what I was referring to, I thought Kant would say that God was the first cause of evil since he created Lucifer in the first place. And when Lucifer rebelled, he was the second cause of evil. No, you see, there is no such thing as beast as Lucifer, or Kant, he didn't believe in it. So he doesn't need to bother about explaining him. 
Well, he didn't. Of course not. He didn't believe in the history of Genesis or of anything. I mean, Jesus Christ of Nazareth didn't know that he was that. He didn't claim so. He just know that nobody knows. He's no different. And then he doesn't know that anybody knows, and therefore how could Jesus know? He was just deceived if he thought himself he was different. And that's useful because, you see, you get more into the depth of what really is a basic opposition to the gospel. In addition to using the idea and go beyond Reformation, Bart solves his problem, meets his critics also with the same idea of indirect, geschichte, Christ event. All are in Christ as an event, just like the modern philosophers or scientists. The event, theodo as factum, the fact is action, and therefore all facts are action, and they interact not as acts individual, but as drops of water interact, as a little, little beads on a string which can't be strung. His problem is, as noted, how to have a theology that can laugh Feuerbach in the face. Feuerbach and said that theology was really nothing more than a projection. Now, he did that. Feuerbach, in the essence of man, says, that's, you just make off. You are yourself, the Christ, whatever you want to be. That's your projection. That's what you think. You look in the mirror, and you're getting bigger and bigger, and then you're a god, and you don't, you blow your bubble because you think you are. I mean, he ridiculed his Christians, and that's why Bart says we must laugh him in the face because if we don't laugh Feuerbach, who's the worst of skeptics, we can't even deal with decent skeptics. I mean, with less, <laughs> well, I don't mean morally indecent, but I mean with less penetrating and less intelligible or intelligence high school or grade school they're all skeptics because they all hear the skepticism is the style the mistake of, in all these approaches is basically the same that the starting point one's theological thinking from the bottom up from the consciousness of man and he calls them consciousness theologians which means from the bottom up and then after that building up a Christ who is a higher consciousness. Uh, true theology must start from the top down. It must offer the light of the revelation of God in Christ as that in terms of which alone man knows himself if the consciousness of man itself must be interpreted in terms of revelation. Then the problem of faith and reason, theology and philosophy has been solved and we can length laugh and fire back in the face. In the facts of history must themselves be interpreted in terms of this super history. Then the certainties of ordinary history need no longer to trouble us. In other words, we don't care what they say. You can have biological evolution. You can have determinism. You can have anything you want because that's the works that nobody bothers about because that's not where Christ came. Christ didn't save it because he didn't come into it. He didn't even think of it. He wasn't himself in that realm. I mean, the real Christ. And then, if the resurrection is primarily geschichte, that is not historical, and that, therefore, the steps downward and upward, his death and his resurrection are identical, that cannot be in history. It makes no sense to say that last week is this week, that I was in the 
that I was last week in the Keystone State and I'm in the Lone Star State. I couldn't be the one at the same time. I hope to go back eventually to the Keystone State. You people get too much snow here to serve me. <laughs> well, I hope you forgive me. Now, um, then Boltman would be right. Such as he says. Now he's trying to oppose Boltman, demythologizing. Oh, no. That's bad. But history, Geschichte, that's good. Uh, and you see, it's an attempt to distinguish between virtually the, and at least so far as Christian, they both deny, and openly so, and frankly so, and don't make any bones about it, the historicity of Christ and the scriptures. If the resurrection is primarily, then only peripherally, ordinary history, can we boldly assert that our faith is based on fact, a fact as an event, namely the meeting of Christ after his resurrection with the apostles. Now, that's an event that then took place. We are not any further. The disciple at second hand is not further away than the disciple at first hand because no disciple is directly walking and talking with Jesus. But the ones ever to come and the ones that have been are all in this one event. We are all in Christ Jesus in this event of his being and his coming and his saving and being his work and his saving of mankind. Jesus Christ, the mediator. Corroboration and amplification of this general statement must now be given. In doing so, we begin with the nature of reconciliation or atonement, for Jesus Christ is reconciliation. Not he was first a person and then was the Son of God, the Son of Man, and he said to Nicodemus, you cannot see unless you're born again, but direct it's all one. There is no trinity, separate persons, but there is one God who says, I am the Lord. Jesus Christ is because he is truly God and truly man. He is a human person. Now that has its own him. His being as man is his work. Now notice, his being is his work. Well, now we say Christ Jesus was before all times. You remember in John 17, he says, Father, I return to thee to the glory which we had before the world began. Now, then he wasn't yet working in the Father. They were purposing, all right, but they were, you can't say Christ is his work. That took place after he was born in a manger and after he was reviled by men and then he was crucified by wicked, the hands of wicked men. That is high history. But you see, he, his being is as a man. Well, then he's a different man because every man is one with Christ. And that means he is working. He's an event. He's active. He's doing what he ought to do because he is in Christ and therefore he works with Christ and as part of Christ. His work is the work of saving all men. The man, Jesus, quote, is the coming kingdom of God. Now, I'm purposely putting that in quotes and giving you the reference. But Jesus is the kingdom because he is in the word of God. As such, he is identified with the divine subject. That is God, the subject. Yes, go ahead. Does he, does he indicate that there's ever anything outside this event? You're stating that he no. says that everything is in the event. Well, yes, of course, that's all a, as an interpretation. He doesn't pretend that dogs and cats are in these events or any of us physically. But he says that spiritually... 
all men are in Christ. And that includes the state, because it has to be all or it can't be adequately. He's speaking strictly of the spiritual realm and not of the physical realm. Well, it includes the physical, just like your spirit and body. Well, then the cats and dogs would be in the event. Well, of course they are, in that sense, but not physically. You can't, how many, there are too many cats for that. <laughs> so are cats and dogs yeah, in the event the same way we are? Pardon? Are cats and dogs in the event the same way we are? Oh, they're not, in, they're absolutely real. They can scratch your eyes out. And if they come too close to bark, they would have scratched that out and we wouldn't have had all this thing to do. <laughs> not that I wanted to do it. No, he was a good man. But the point is that, yes, go ahead. Okay, Bart, Bart, you say, was a Christian. Well, I'm not judging any man's heart. Barnhouse said to me, I want to talk to you. Carl Bart, Dr. Bart, was a born-again I says, Dr. Barnhouse, I'm not judging any man's heart. That's, that would be wicked, because we're told God judges the heart of man. But if you come to Philly with me and take a look at that, that's not Christian. Well, he says, that was too big a book. Well, you don't need to read the book. I'm quoting you literally from what he said in certain pages. And he said everything I've quoted, uh, because he quoted an awful lot of things, and they call it the white elephant. Well, he wrote a lot, and he had a, I told you, he had a full-time secretary. Since the identity between God and man and Jesus is the living identity and Geschichte, I'll use that word because that type of the Christ event, which is inclusive of all that has been, is, and will be, that is the human race that's not universal salvation through the blood of Jesus. He doesn't believe that. That's why he doesn't want history, ordinary history, because he doesn't believe that. And that's why he has the Christ event as an ideal situation, which includes Plato, Aristotle, and everybody, pagans, whoever. He doesn't mention those, but he constantly says, all men. And he emphasizes the A-double-L over and over again. Of course, this is all written in German. But, I mean, it isn't universal salvation, say, the possibility, like some of my Arminian friends say, God made possible, it's up to you to choose. Well, they mean that Jesus died for them on the cross, and they are saved because they believe that. But that's not what he believed. He didn't need anybody. Judas Iscariot was the open situation in preaching. He didn't say Judas Iscariot deceived and betrayed the Son of Man so that he was crucified, and then that he was not, he was rejected and hanged himself, but that his disciples went proclaiming the gospel of redemption through the blood of the Christ. See, none of that, that's all historical. But you see, there's nothing in the Bible or anywhere that is for him directly. Of course, science, oh yes, well, science is no, whatever science is doesn't bother him. Uh, whether... Sot is an existentialist and doesn't believe the gospel or whatever. You see, because he's not concerned with that. He's theologian. And when Brunner said he must have natural, he says, oh, natura theologie, back to the flesh pots of Egypt. We must have more indirectness. And then when a, a Roman Catholic theologian pointed out that they had, in advance already, he had this idea, faith idea, then he stopped calling the church the Antichrist. You can see it by the page. Well, now at a certain stage, he says things were getting better. And then he talked about that marvelous book of Birkauer, 
the triumph of grace in the theology of art, but one of them is accepted, the cannibal. Even the fundamentalist was doing better, but the cannibal, that is, they're mentioned first, the man-eater, he didn't mention me, but he meant me, because I know it from a fact. <laughs> he is still, I saw in the history of Bart, all love Bart, but the American fundamentalist says Bart was the greatest heretic that ever lived. Well, I said, no such thing. But, you know, it makes nice advertisement. <laughs> well, it did, because it sells books. Did no. you talk? You talk. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Dr. Benfield, did, did uh, Bart uh, get his thinking about the Christ event primarily from Kant? I mean, was that... Yes, from Kant. The separation of Newton. And then he was... See, Harnack said, the un, that was right, the essence of man is the fatherhood of God. Therefore, no fall, no history, and he wanted to get away from that. He wanted a real Christ, and that's why he studied in Sovinville, and he didn't do anything but write his comment there. God speaks, Sengrech von Oven, straight down, perpendicularly. You are in heaven. I am in heaven, you are on, on earth, and listen to me. And now I'm telling you that I'm a very peculiar uh, pupil of yours, as he was, because he didn't believe a thing, but neither did he himself improve matters, because now he has the holy other, which is as much as little the Christian historic gospel as was that of the others. I don't mean it's new, but the point of importance is that this, the neo-orthodoxy, Princeton has gone neo-orthodox after liberal. Amsterdam, the two great reformed institutions, has gone neo-orthodox and beyond the new hermeneutic. Not one anymore in the faculty or that I know of believes the historic gospel without residue. Kuyther says Genesis is a teaching model. Now, that means he's not Adam and Eve and that we are created in him and that we are sinners in him. Well, now you see that penetrates even to the, well, those are the two most outstanding institution, largest faithful reform. Now, there are lots of good Bible schools and other places. I'm not denying that because I thank the Lord that there are not, that there are many, many, many that have not this, that are true, but we have to, because they have so much influence. You know, it's almost everything you read is, is Dr. Is Carl Bard. Lots of them. yes. Did you say earlier you had personal contact with Bart? Well, yeah, he talked to me. He says, "Oh, he said he's a bad boy. He's not going to heaven." That was told from somebody else. But he patted me on the shoulder, said some bad things about me. But I forgive you. I forgive you. He said that right to me. Well, I didn't. Say, I was so flabbergasted that I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say thank you, Doctor Bart. There were some students there that were there, and. Uh, well, that's that. <laughs> but but that, that, that idea of separation of the holy other and, and just, you know, versus just regular history or yeah. normal history, that's primarily rooted in Kant's idea of the noumenal. Yeah, and that was Kant. developed, for instance, by Otto, Rudolf Otto, das Heilige, the holy, which is holy other. Yeah. See, that was all application of Kant's noumenal. Okay. Okay. But, you see... When, when Kant uses noumenal... Phenomenal. What does it mean? Well, he means is that in this phenomenal world, that's mechanical. They can put you in a couch and examine you, your heart ticking well or not. And But the noumenal, that is, which is unknowable, that means 
into th he uses numinous n-u-m-i-s can't use numinal n-o-u-m-e-l numinal that's numinosa the numinal realm that is doesn't mean certain territory because it's the numinal that underlies the phenomenal so it's the phenomenal is like a like a ship and 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 its attitude gets bigger and bigger till it bulges out but it's always this float it's like Noah's Ark only it's worse because it hasn't got yeah it's it's got all mankind in it but there are none there are none that are saved in distinction from others there's not a Noah and his house because all are drowned and none are drowned and all are out because as none are out yes <laughs> It's the same analogy as, as basically Plato's the real and ideal. Yes. Now, that's right. See, the, the real is the ideal of which no one can know. Thought, think, that's what he says. The, the true knowledge, absolute knowledge, episteme, is the good. And then we are have a little knowledge. We have doxa, guesswork, and then, but the line, but... Diotima the inspired says, that's it, boys. That's the good gold star. We know, you know, God is the source of the good, but certainly not of evil, you wouldn't say that. So there is another source. So intellectually, by use of your intellect, you will always come to two principles. You can't harmonize them without killing both of them. But you have to have unity. That's why you have to go out of this world and say it's in the realm of ideas. And then Socrates said, if you're going to know about that, then I have to know the difference between Socrates, snub-nosed, and Callias is a man, but, and that's accidental. See, it's either you know all things exhaustively, and then there's no difference between Tom, Dick, and Harry, or you know one, two, three, but then they are not related. Then you can't have a Christ who died in your place, or you can't have a father and a mother and children, because they're all like, not like angels. But just there as, well, who else? Jesus Christ, the Lord, as servants. Well, I, I better hurry up. Bart says that he has established the doctrine, reestablished, actualized the doctrine of the incarnation. The entire relation between God and man exists in their common Geschichte which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the finished act of the reconciliation of, of man with God. This, the primary, rela primary relation of all men to God, is their oneness with Jesus Christ. Christ is the act of God in coming down into time and space for the purpose of saving men, and men are the act of participation in the being of God through Christ. Thus the divine and human natures flow into one another. They do not they do this in terms of Geschichte, not in history, because in history it says God was eternal and then became flesh, and then in his human nature he died. Well he makes that identity. That's why one the disciple at second hand is no further along or distant than the first, because neither of them are in history. Thus the divine as therefore Christ is the electing God, he is also the elected man. And since there is only one man, Christ Jesus, he is the one man, we are 
participant in Christ, which means we are not really fully men, but we are fully men by being participant in Christ Jesus. We must start from the idea of the completed salvation history. We must start, we must say that the Heilsgeschichte, history of the holy, sanctified, biblical, sacred history, is happened. He stepped into our place as our substitute. He is the judge who was judged for us. Now, that is all verbally true, yeah? Okay, so you don't, you don't mind me. Yeah, the more words. the better. Uh, so, what he's, is he getting at? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is he getting at that basically Christ now is merely the image of the ideal man in this numinal realm, and we're real men down here? No, he would world. politely shoot you if you said it. <laughs> he would do it politely, but he would certainly shoot you dead if you dare to say that Christ is only an ideal man. The most ideal man has to look to the Christ who comes down to you to make you a bad man first, an awful bad, a devilish individual, lost in sin and corruption. Now, he says those things. Then, because you are in him and you've always been in him, therefore you didn't at a time, but you've always been forgiven because God is reconciliation, not has reconciled you through the Christ, but is that. That's his being. So I become an ideal man? Well, you are that. But in Christ, see, Christ is the one man, therefore you can't even say an ideal because he's the only one there is. But that means for you, now that you are here a humble man, then Christ is the only man. And you are what you are because you're a fellow man, you're with him, you're, you're in him, you're participating in him. Martin, isn't he getting close to uh, the Eastern religion? Idea? Yeah, well, that's right, he wouldn't deny that. For instance, he was in Hungary, and somebody asked him, um, how about the pagan masses? Well, he says, that riecht nach Holland. That smells like Holland, which, you know, has that bad smell. They want identity with history. Well, the pagan masses, not worth talking about. Of course they are, met mens and Jesu, just as well as you are. You're, you're the most pious fellow, whether you're a fundy or a liberal or what, what have you. You are a met mens Jesu. He would say, look, why can't you get that through your head? I've told you a thousand times. I'm not saying that to you, understand. <laughs> the point is, he is in reiterating this over and over again. From so, he, Nobody has ever worked out everything in detail so much, so intricately. And oh, you yeah, this man. Uh, so, in other words, in, in, is he saying, which distinction is he making, or is he making this distinction? Can I be an idealized man, separate and apart from Christ, side by side, or I'm an ideal man because I'm dissolved into Christ? Right? I'm in Christ. That's and why like I'm an awfully bad man because I, I kick my wife out and all that sort of thing. But that doesn't take away that you have been, you ever will be, and you will ever be, and you can't help but be in Christ. And that's why the worse you are, that means because God is reconciliation. You don't have to worry about whether you've been bad or not because he is that, and that means for everybody. And I'm, I'm not saying he was advocating anything bad. Oh, no, he was quite the country, yes. Well, uh, given the certainty of this approach uh, by Bart and his uh, new definition, definitions and so forth, how is it that, let's say, the 
uh, Reformed or Calvinistic view of, uh, differs in its attack on this than, let's say, the Arminian view? I mean, well, is there the one? Calvin's views are far worse than anybody else's because they insist too much on the direct, on the elect and grace of God as an individual in history. Esau have I hated Jacob. He doesn't want that. All we are, Esau, as youngsters, bad guys, but we're Jacob, and that's all of us. So that's a relative and not a historical distinction. See, and Calvin says, and the Reform says, well, that happened because the Bible says it. Well, that direct revelation, that's profane givenness. You must, you must say God is reconciliation. And that's why it's actualized. There are no more two natures. God, the whole God, the divine God, passionism, he says, is a bad heresy. But he makes it worse by doing it modernized with modern machinery, which is always worse than, the, you know, the computer can mess things up better than you can. Well, yes, Dr. Johnson. Does he share then with Oriental thought the idea that individuality and and personhood in that sense is somehow evil? No, except that not they are any worse. Yes, we are evil, but so is Christ evil. But is Christ to be seen, when he talks this way about Christ and the Christ event, he's not thinking about an individual person, the third person of the Trinity, is he? No, but you see, Christ is the Christ event, that Jesus of Nazareth, that's, he's a good man. I mean, we've talked with him, we've handled him, all right. But don't you see, he stands for the Christ event which of which he is the center somehow. But you see, he doesn't pretend that he can see through this. He just says that's what the scripture says. I don't know if I made that clear. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the things that's confusing me, and I think perhaps some of the others here, is that Barak uses the term Christ, and we immediately read in this individual person, Jesus Christ. And I don't think that's what he's saying. No, you're quite right. But you see, it's, that's why Jesus is the center. So you might have the wheel and the hub and the spokes. Now, we're all in the wheel, but we are further away from the hub. Now, he's the hub of it, and on which if it breaks down, it all breaks down. In other words, you know, who was the poet? Calvinism was that chase, you know? broke down all of a sudden when science came. What then is, he says, man, Christ is the ground form of humanity. Maybe that has a bearing on your question. See, other men are fellow men with Jesus. To be man is for other men. See, every man is a man if he's a man to an extent that he is for other men. Now we say, here, I've got a, you shan't have any of my piece of pie if my piece of pumpkin is gone. Well, you give all men what they want everything you have and so your fellow men with Jesus and everybody is with Jesus Christ is the reprobate man well while and become he is the elect man see at the the difficulty is we have to say words after each other but he wants to say everything at once like a funnel which brings it all down and right now well Human words, well, he's struggling with that. He's a brilliant man, scintillatingly interesting. You can't quit reading him. But the point is that he is trying so desperately to make all humanity one man. Well, as you say, that can't be some individual, that it's manhood or man as this or that, and we're all participant. 
which does certainly not mean physical, and he doesn't even begin to say that. Would you say that would be similar to Sartre's concept that when I act as an individual person, I am acting for all humanity in that sense? In I'm acting for? For humanity. No, he is humanity acting. See, he, he doesn't okay, act. Okay, but like as, a, as, a, as an individual, as I go in and out my daily activities and I act, so I'm kind of, I'm in common with all of humanity, and I'm, I'm seeing, I'm defining what humanity is for them just as well as I am myself. Yeah. Is that kind of similar? Or? Yeah, we are similar. That is to say, we are what we are because we're fellow men with Jesus. Well, that's holds for, that doesn't, you and I, but holds for all men. And he says that repeatedly. He's not a universalist in that sense, but he says inherently a man doesn't have to be saved. How could it be a, say, universal salvation when the man doesn't have to say, you don't have to say, I'm poor, I have to go to the bank if, you, if you've been a millionaire all the time and you couldn't be anything else but rich, filthy rich, because you're in Christ, you're a participant, you're the heir of salvation, whatever Christ has, you have. And you, you know, you're just, you're at home with Christ. And all that takes place in Geschichte and not in history? Yeah, except it touches history. In other words, he doesn't, he says before history, in Geschichte, and after Geschichte. Well, you see, calendar-wise, that you can't tie that in with another. I heard a man preach, uh, he says, we don't, we're, you poor calendar thinking. December so-and-so, so many years after he lived, Christ died. Poor people thinking about the calendar. Forget the calendar. Tear it up and think of just in general. Don't look at the calendar because the calendar makes things hard because then you have direct figures and that's why Jesus of Nazareth, a man who walked with God and made miracles and then he, they crucified him. Well, you mustn't think of that. I know we can't stop thinking of that. He doesn't think of that because he has to tell us over and over not to do it. And that's why he has to tell himself not to do it. Well, you see, he has a hard time with himself. because, Well, he does, because he wants to believe this. And he does not want a historic religion. And yet he wants not universal fatherhood of God, just easy. He wants not... Uh, he doesn't want that stated doctrinally, so many concepts or so many individuals. But that's why... He agonizes to get language together that will say that which cannot have happened has happened. Well, that's not a concept that can intelligibly be stated. You could say something happened yesterday and Mr. So-and-so murdered Abel, and then afterwards they say, well, murder is a bad thing. Well, with even though Calvin taught this direct thing, don't, they, don't the Barthians try to take Calvin and make him sort of a prototype for their own self? Don't they try to make him sort of a modern theologian way back then, even though he was, like you said a minute ago, he acted in spite of himself? Don't they try to put him in their camp? And how do they do that? Because he was so directly against them by teaching the inerrancy of the scriptures. How do they make him one of their own? They're always appealing to Calvin. Can you read? I, I think he's asking, how do the Barthians try to bring Calvin into their camp? Oh, well, because yeah. because he's the worst if he stays out. I mean, he can most... For instance, that's why the Indians are better inside than outside. Because outside, they come with poison arrows. And little kids can't do you much harm, but giants, you better keep in. 
under control. There was a dominator in his consistory. There was one man arguing. Well, he says, we've all voted. Now I've got an extra vote because he was the leader. Well, don't you see? The point is we must subdue that. We must not have direct revelation because then, oh my, oh my, then we're sinners and we're bound for eternity death. And then it could then be that some are saved and others not. And that must never be what one has, all has, because we are all in Christ. That is not because Christ died and shed his blood for all, as we Christians say, but we are all as creatures. Well, I understand why they want Calvin in their camp, but how do they put him in their camp? Oh, well, because Calvin has misunderstood. He meant so well. But he never, well, he says that. Well, he says that. He, no doubt the reformers meant well, but they did not get away from Romanism, really. And they didn't actualize the incarnation, and they certainly did not. See, they protected it against the Romanist idea, because once for all, and the Romanist does not have once for all. And that's why he's, and then his own position is not like Romanism, but not like Calvinism. But Calvin is nearer in form of words. That's why he meant so well. But he is, well, he says he, ha, he has a God in himself before the world was. And then a man was created, but he, there was no such thing. There always has been with God in man, and that's correlative. Well, didn't they grab hold of the idea that the individual could come to the Scripture and know for himself, uh, the believer priest, and they grab hold of that and distort it? Yes, but you see, people that have never heard of the scriptures do exactly the same thing. That is, they don't tear up pages in a book like, or have never heard of that. But they are against the Christ too, without being, except that they are in the Christ, so they can squirm and squirm like a child can squirm to get out of your arms, but can't help it. Well, they can be wicked, they can oppose them, but they are in them. That is, they are potentially in them. Well, that's exactly like the modern Roman Catholic says. We're all in the church. Extra ecclesia non salus. Outside of the church, no salvation. But salvation is now, as the Pope that spoke literally said, Jesus came to save mankind, all mankind. Don't you see? That's why the Romanist position is exactly identical with that of Karl Barth. There's no more Reformation. We're back to that. Back to? Back to the... Back to the Romanist position. I mean, there's no real difference in thought or content, nor, well, the Romanist doesn't say that Christ, they believe in historicity, but they do not believe in the once-for-all finished work of Christ. See, the church is the incarnation continued, and the mass is the continuation of the sacrifice, unbloody, but it's always an attack on the once-for-all createdness of man, that he has fallen, that he is once for all, Christ said, I have, it is finished. And that once for all, the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said, unless, you see, that's all generalized and it's all made all to flow. That's why the event character of all reality and all philosophy, practically, and that's why the event character in, is the event of God in Christ. No longer any difference between God and man. That's why it's not better because now man says, now we are at the apex of civilization in a philosophical contrast, contest. Ab Abram was with us, and Moses, and all of that, and Plato, and Aristotle, and Calvin, and Luther, and Abram Kuyper, and we're all in Christ. We're all brothers in him.
Will you kindly repeat that? Would you, he wants you to, in connection with the inerrancy of Scripture, would you comment on Lenzel's book, Battle well, of the Bible? Well, of course, you see, Dr. Lenzel was a member of the faculty at Fuller Theological Seminary, and he was on their meetings, and he quotes nothing but what he heard and saw. And you see, that is to the extent that there is no longer any inerrant Bible. And that's why he's fighting for it, and rightly so. And others have later said, well, that's maybe so. And of course, Fuller made a doctor, made a big statement. I had it, but I didn't say it, but I should have, in which it's all polished over, but they cannot deny the facts. And that, you see, it's become a bone of contention. And Dr. Walford, I saw last year, in, uh, and he had took Dr. Johnson. No, I read it. I was reading a book called Neo-Orthodoxy by Dr. Ryrie at Dallas Seminary. And he said we're historically indebted to Barth, but we're not doctrinally indebted. Do you agree with that? No, I would never agree with that, because we're historically indebted to him in so much as he has developed the wrong principle most consistently. <laughs> well, that's, that's the case with, we would, you see... Kant has worked out the anti-Christian principle, more consistency. Well, then he's a slave of science and of himself, but the slaves of Christ have to become willy-nilly the, the slaves of Satan. Now, I'm not saying anything personally about anybody, because I know they're good men, but don't you see, after all, it's the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, and this is not the seed of the woman, because you can't say that, you dare not say that if you believe the Bible that he's a sto we are dis but not doctrinally. If we are not doctrinally, then we're not historically. If we're only historically if he said something sound doctrinally. Otherwise, it's false history, false interpretation of history, and it's false doctrine. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. <laughs> Go ahead. Do you, do you have any... Uh, sure, you do. I'm trying to think about... Mark's whole reasoning behind, you know, wanting to interpret everything in light of the Christ event was because of a fear of failure on God's part. If there's not a universalism, if it, if it's if there is a possibility of the elect and the non-elect, is that? Well, I think every non-Christian fears that the Bible is true. They shall call upon the mountains. They like the rich man of Lazarus. He knew that he'd been out hunting when he should have listened to Moses and the prophets. But Abram says, they have Moses and the prophets, so it doesn't do any good if I send to your other, because you have enough information. Man was created. Man fell. Now, they don't say, I have murdered, but in their, in their heart of hearts, in their conscience, they know they're guilty. They don't know the person. All right, now then. Then comes Moses and the prophets. And then comes Jesus the Christ, the last and the fullest, the greatest of the prophets. And it's explained in Hebrews and all of the writings of the Apostle Paul. They know that. They read that. They comment on it. They make big commentaries on it, exactly exegetically. But at fear is that it is not true. That's why they're trying to so hard to prove that it is not true and that their position which is not true, is true. And then they can sleep. They still can't sleep. Now, I'm talking not that I know individuals at all, but I couldn't live and sleep one night if I didn't believe 
that God through Christ has saved me from the wrath to come and that I know that I shall see him face to face and that this mortal body shall be renewed in a body like unto his by the power by which he is able to change all things to himself. Well, all things, you have to have all things. The devil gets nothing or else he has makes things at loose ends again. How can you justify the works of Bart with the concept that he was a believer? If we're to judge, if we can, if we say, Christ said you shall know them by our, their works, and yet the claim is made that Barth was a believer, yet his works indicate that he was a tool of Satan. No, I don't say he was a believer, and I don't say he was not a believer, because that's the heart of man of which our God alone judges. And he judges me, he judges you, and he judges any man. When the apostle says verbally that he does know, therefore you take for granted you don't need the Holy Spirit to be in your right book, how to be born again. Well, you can't do that. You are told. You can't say to your father and mother, well, you know, I'm not your child. You look like him, but I don't like you, so I go. Well, what can you do? It is thus, says Bart, that we have actualized the doctrine of the Incarnation. Thinking in concepts of pure movement, therefore you have the doxological instead of the historical. Therefore you have the natural instead of the spiritual. Therefore you have the taking for granted that the natural man does know. When the apostle says verbally that he does know, therefore you take for granted you don't need the Holy Spirit to be in your right book, how to be born again. Well, you can't do that. You are told. You can't say to your father and mother, well, you know, I'm not your child. You look like him, but I don't like you, so I go, well, what can you do? It is thus, says Bart, that we have actualized the doctrine of the Incarnation, thinking in concepts of pure movement. Now, that is concepts of pure movement. Now, how can you, for instance, here's a stream of water, like somebody said, you can't step into the same river twice because you're going to try it the second time. The river is different, a new river, and you are different, so you can't step into the same river twice. The object is different, the subject is different, all things are different, the world is different because there's water on the other side and there's not when you, that quite much water. Now that is certainly true. Uh, we have transmuted all the terms pertaining to the idea of Geschichte. Now that's basic. We've transmuted, we've translated, we've, we've completely put the same words, totally mean. Here's a, a bottle with milk. All right, the same color, you put some poison in. Same color, same thing, and same company. And, well, what happens to you if you drink the poison milk? You won't live very long. Well, now, poison milk, this is poison theology, but not Bartolome, Brunner, and Bultmann, and there, much of their own, there is a, a, a numifying, a deactualizing, a deadening, a deafening effect on historic Christians all of us, that's why I'm so anxious that all of us shall see that this must not be for us as believers in Christ, not Presbyterians or Lutherans or fundamentalists or not fundamentalists, but not modernists because they don't believe, and not neo-Orthodox because they don't believe. We pray for them because they are now with the enemies. They've played in 
they're hiding there within the gates. That's why the Gideons are doing such marvelous work. Men make it become false or degenerate, but my word shall not depart. And that's why the Gideons distribute words, Bibles all over free of charge. 